Welcome to the Endpoints Podcast, presented by the ALS Therapy Development Institute. Finding out a loved one has ALS can be hard enough, but for people whose family members test positive for one of the genetic mutations behind familial ALS, it can bring a whole other set of issues to deal with, knowing that they might also inherit the mutation, and that they might pass it down to their children. Daniel Barvin knows this firsthand. A number of people in his family have passed away from ALS, and he himself is a pre-symptomatic carrier, meaning it may only be a matter of time before he himself begins to show signs of the disease. Today, he joins us on Endpoints to discuss what it's like to know that ALS is likely part of his future, and what he's doing to change things, both for himself, others with ALS, and his own newborn son. So unfortunately, I was introduced to ALS when I was about 10 years old, uh, and my Uncle Bill was diagnosed. At that point, I only remember real snippets of his disease and how he progressed. But unfortunately, it was very devastating for me as a young person and as for our family. Uh, I remember the entire family coming together, searching for any possible treatment or hope. Um, and then sadly, in two years, all of that coming crashing down with his loss uh, in his battle of ALS. Um, at that point, we all thought that we were a sporadic family. Um, no one ever expected ALS to revisit our family again. But about 10 years after his passing, my aunt, Paula, was diagnosed with lower limb onset ALS as she started tripping and People started noticing and worrying. Uh, after a few months, she was diagnosed. Um, I was about 20 years old at that point and was very much involved in um, that experience, which left a big impact on me because I saw how it impacted their finances, how her husband and young son dealt with that trauma and stress of um, losing her in her battle. Um, and one of my biggest memories from that moment was, uh, we all had a family dinner where my aunt was with us and she had just started losing the ability to speak, but not enough where she had a computer assisted, um, voice and they didn't, they brought a microphone for her to use, but I think the batteries were left behind, but anyways, she so desperately wanted to share her thoughts with us and, and have a conversation and to see her unable uh, was incredibly difficult. Um, so at, at that point we had an inkling that this might be related to the ALS that affected my uncle. However, there was no diagnosis, uh, no genetic testing done. And sadly my Aunt Paula passed away and we went back to our lives thinking that we were Free of this. Um, now, concurrently, my father, unfortunately, had been experiencing dementia at a fairly early age, about in his early 50s, throughout this all. Um, so we were unsure of what that meant, why that was occurring. Uh, and the last person to be affected by this disease was my father as he uh, fell victim to frontotemporal dementia. Um, and in 2016, he unfortunately passed away. And soon after his passing, we found out that there was a link between all of this family disease 
and that was the gene mutation C9ORF72, which is the most common gene in familial ALS. Um, and that kicked off um, my whole uh, involvement uh, in ALS. Not that I was not involved prior, um, but that it was always as the child of ALS or the, the nephew of ALS. Um, and suddenly I had to start thinking about what this meant for my future um, as we learned that this gene could be passed down to my generation. So uh, two years ago, we made the big um, decision to get tested and found out that I was positive for the gene. And that has kicked off an immense passion uh, to connect other people who are at risk of familial ALS, to provide them with resources, uh, and to kind of come to terms with it myself. Learning that he was a carrier of the C9ORF72 gene, the implication that he would someday develop ALS himself, was a big shock for Daniel, who at the time was young and healthy. But it also gave him a new sense of purpose. So when I found out that I was at risk for familial ALS, uh, that was the biggest shock in my life. Um, you know, being 28 years old, I had never thought about my mortality. Even having seen so many family members go through this, you think you're invisible, uh, invincible. You truly do. Um, and so just being at risk, I think for me was the biggest emotional battle of what could be. Um, and once I actually found out my gene status as being positive, I think that for me, it kicked me in the butt and said, hey, you have a goal. You have a target now. And either you can sit down and do nothing and stay silent, or you can take this goal and, and move forward to create a better future for yourself and for others. Um, you know, there was definitely the... Um, difficult social interactions of having to tell my wife, of having to tell friend, close friends. Um, but I think that everyone was incredibly supportive. Uh, you do feel like you're, you are uh, alone on this journey. Uh, and I think that is unfortunately because the familial ALS journey is not one that's told. Uh, even though there are even though it's possible that 15% of all ALS cases are familial, um, which could mean that there are somewhere between 50 or 100,000 at-risk uh, people uh, who are at risk of, of carrying a gene um, that will lead to ALS. Um, so all of that got me thinking and really pushed me to work towards creating an organization that would provide resources, community, and advocacy for people like myself. Daniel has ambitious goals for helping to support others with familial ALS, but his first action was closer to home. When Daniel found out he carried the C9ORF72 gene mutation, he was newly married, thinking about having kids. Now he knew there was a good chance he would pass on the mutation to the next generation, so he and his wife decided to do something about it. So... After having seen my uncle, my aunt, and my father fight this horrible disease at young ages, I knew that's not something I would let happen to the next generation. Uh, I'm 
worried about what's going to happen to my generation. And if um, so, once I found out that we were at risk, I made it my mission to find out my gene status so I could take action to prevent that from continuing on from decimating the next generations. Um, so we met with a genetic counselor. We did not know that we could do IVF and PGD before we were informed of it. And we were blown away. We thought, wow, we're really in the 21st century. Uh, if they can uh, test the embryos and ensure that ALS is not passed on. So uh, it's a difficult uh, process, mostly for um, my wife or the spouse involved. But um, I think that now that we have our son and we know that he is not at risk of carrying the C9OR72 mutation, um, we're developing familial ALS, at least. Uh, there's no better feeling. With familial ALS effectively ended in Daniel's family, he's turning his attention to the thousands of others affected by the disease. So what we're trying to do, we are familial ALS. We are currently running inside of I am ALS. And that has been a major help as I am ALS helped us they organize, help us stay on track, and gives us a great platform from which to, to run from. Um, the first thing we really want to do with our organization is provide content for people going through this process. When you are a young person who has dealt with family, familial ALS, you've lived through generational trauma. You've seen multiple people in your family pass away from this disease. It's not easy. And then to find out that suddenly you could be next, for a lot of people, that can be life-changing and not in a good way. So the first thing we want to create is a resource where people can kind of read, you know, just to understand what this might be like to go through. That's anecdotes. That's a bit of things we've learned from genetic counselors. Um, and it's the tips and tricks of, you know, what does it mean to be tested? Um, what kind of financial planning do you need to be done, uh, do you need to do before you find out um, your genetic status? Now, there was just a bill passed in Florida that protects people's genetic testing status from impacting their ability to um, obtain life insurance and disability insurance, which is phenomenal and I think will lead to more people finding out their gene status. Uh, which I believe is an empowering thing uh, because you have even an uncurable disease in your past. It, it gives you vision on how to take action. Uh, and if you can feel empowered yourself, that truly is a better health, health outcome. Um, so the second goal is to be advocates for our community. Um, there are a few goals uh, that we'd like to see changed in the um, ALS community, um, most on the clinician side. One is pushing forward more mainstream genetic testing. There are so many cases of sporadic ALS where the family does not know that they are, that they carry a familial gene mutation. My family was a perfect case of this. For 20 years, and three people in my family who died of ALS or related diseases, uh, we thought that it wouldn't affect us. Now, 
by finding out uh, that we were familial ALS family, I've been able to not only take action to prepare for that inevitable ALS diagnosis by buying life insurance, long-term care insurance, et cetera, but also I've been able to do IVF and PGD to have my son who will not carry this gene. And by doing so, I will end ALS in my family. I will be the last one. And I think that is the biggest rallying cry I know of. Um, you know, to do something good for the next generation uh, will take you through the hardest path you could endure, and it, it'll it'll lead you to the end because it's such a goal. Um, so we were really pushing for people to find out and take action, and I I, I really like that tagline: find out and take action. Uh, and I'm not here saying that you need to do IVF or PGD, but as long as people can be informed and have enough time so they can make their own decisions about the best path forward, that is what we're trying to accomplish by more mainstream genetic testing. Uh, secondly, we'd really like to, if possible, um, adjust the guidelines for diagno um, diagnosis of familial ALS patients. It's true that the earlier you can have intervention, um, with especially um, Amelix coming out with great results in their phase two test, uh, it's even more real that that intervention will be there. And so as we have a familial uh, history and we know that ALS will be in our future, we would like to be diagnosed earlier so we can have access to clinical trials before symptoms develop um, and we are uh, too far into our diagnosis. Despite all that he's still facing, knowing that he is still at high risk for developing ALS, Daniel is hopeful for the future, because he's already been able to do something to fight ALS in his family, and because he's planning to do a lot more. You know, so I think that there's so much hope in the ALS community because there are phenomenal research institutions who are pushing forward incredible interventions. Um, just yesterday, we had the Amelix phase two trial results come out, and that's incredibly promising. Uh, different organizations are working on, specifically for familial ALS, different gene therapies, and other diseases are having success with such gene therapies. So I think that now more than ever, we are on the precipice of intervention. Also, I think that and I'm given hope by helping others. And I think that I, I take it from my own experience. I came into this familial ALS world feeling totally alone, um, not having anyone to talk to about going through this. And yes, having a genetic counselor, but that wasn't exactly someone who understood the personal side of um, being told that you are going to develop ALS. So um, I think that for me, being able to give people that opportunity to share their stories and to connect, that's the biggest thing that gives me hope, that even if we do have to go through this, the fact that we can go through this educated, informed, and connected means that we will all be better patients if that has to come um, than we would have had this blind side of us. So I think that's, you know, the biggest thing is I've seen three of my family members be totally blindsided by ALS 
They had no idea it was coming, and they were not prepared. And the fact that in familial ALS, you have the opportunity to know that you can prepare yourself and your family financially, you can prepare your mind to prepare for that uh, experience. And finally, so you can ensure that this doesn't pass along to the next generation. That is hope. That is progress. Um, and I, I think that that will drive a lot of people to hopefully find out and take action. Keep an eye out for more information about We Are Familial ALS and Daniel's work to help support people with familial ALS. To learn more about ALS TDI's efforts to find effective treatments for ALS, you can visit ALS.net. Thanks for listening.